So here we go. Let's turn together in our Bibles to uh, Psalm 28. Psalm 28. Psalm 28, the the psalm we read earlier today, and we're going to read the whole psalm. Psalm 28, verses 1 through 9. And when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the title of today's teaching is, Give Thanks to the Lord. In Psalm 28, 1 to 9, the Scriptures say, O Lord, I keep calling to you. My rock, do not be deaf to me. If you remain silent to me, I will become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the sound of my plea for mercy when I cry out to you, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those evildoers. They speak peace to their neighbors, but hide evil in their hearts. Give to them what they have done to others. According to their evil actions, according to the deeds of their hands, punish them. Repay to them what they deserve. Because they do not recognize the works of the Lord or the deeds of his hands, he will tear them down and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the sound of my plea for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart also celebrates. With my song I will give thanks to him. The Lord is their strength. He is a stronghold of salvation for his anointed king. Save your people and bless the people that belong to you. Shepherd them and carry them forever. You may be seated. In the year 1629, or sorry, 1621, let me start over. In the year 1621, 90 Native Americans and 53 pilgrims gathered for a three-day feast to give thanks for a good harvest. This would later be called the first Thanksgiving. 242 years later, in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwells in the heavens. And since then, Thanksgiving has been a national holiday celebrated at the end of November. And I don't have time to explain all this, but if you go look, you'll see that it changed back and forth. It was the fourth Sunday, uh, fourth, um, the fourth Thursday in November, then it went to the fifth. And then, so all these things, it's pretty cool. Fun facts, if you go look it up, just Google it when you leave here. So anyway, now later this week, we're going to gather with loved ones to celebrate this holiday. And offering Thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Heavenly Father should be our focus. And the psalm we just read is one of many songs of thanksgiving to help us to do that. At the end of Psalm 28.7, David says, My heart celebrates. With my song, I will give thanks to him. So David wants us to celebrate and give thanks to the Lord with him. And so in this psalm, David shows us at least three reasons we should give thanks to the Lord. That's what we'll talk about today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of your word. We ask you to open our ears to hear and understand the truth. Speak to our hearts and strengthen our wills that we may serve you now and always. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first reason we should give thanks to the Lord is give thanks to the Lord because he is our helper. In Psalm 28.1, David says, oh Lord, I keep calling to you. And in verse 2, David says, hear the sound of my plea for mercy when I cry out to you, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. And in verse 6, David says, Blessed be the Lord because he has heard the sound of my plea for mercy. So David blesses the Lord. David praises the Lord because the Lord hears David's constant pleas for mercy. Now, your translation may say, He has heard my supplication. Now, the EHV gives us the meaning of the word supplication. 
When we supplicate someone, we're pleading with them to have mercy on us. Now, what do you think about when you hear of someone pleading for mercy? You probably picture someone who's done something wrong, and they're pleading with someone else to be lenient on them, to give them less than what they deserve for some crime they've committed or something like that. And the word mercy, it can carry that idea, but the word mercy means so much more in the Scriptures. In the Scriptures, a plea for mercy is very often a plea for divine help and healing. And we see this illustrated in the story of a Canaanite woman in Matthew, 20, I'm sorry, Matthew 15, 22 through 28. Matthew tells us, Jesus left that place and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon. That there a Canaanite woman from the territory came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. A demon is severely tormenting my daughter. But he did not answer her a word. His disciples came and pleaded, Send her away because she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt in front of him saying, Lord, help me. He answered her, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to their little dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, yet their little dogs also eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, woman, your faith is great. It will be done for you just as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. Now notice this woman kept crying out to the Lord Jesus to have mercy on her. And she's not saying, Lord, be lenient on me. That's not what she's saying. Her cry for mercy was a cry for the Lord Jesus to help her by healing her daughter. So a plea for mercy is a plea for help and healing. And we see another example of this in the story of two blind men in Matthew 20, verses 30 through 34. There Matthew tells us, there were two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they shouted, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be quiet. But they shouted even louder, have mercy on us, Lord, son of David. Jesus stopped and called them, what do you want me to do for you? They told him, Lord, open our eyes. But Jesus moved with compassion, and Jesus was moved with compassion and touched their eyes. Immediately, they regained their sight, and they followed him. So again, we see these two blind men were not pleading with Jesus to be lenient on them. No, their plea for mercy was a plea for Jesus to help them by healing them of their blindness. So a plea for mercy is a plea for help and healing. And just like the Canaanite woman, just like the two blind men, and like so many others who came to Jesus for help and healing, when David pleads with the Lord to have mercy on him, he's pleading with the Lord to help him. As David says in the second part of Psalm 28, 7, in him my heart trusts and I am helped. So David trusts in the Lord as his helper. So he keeps crying out to the Lord to have mercy on him. And when David calls out to the Lord for help and healing, he's confident the Lord hears his pleas for mercy. And when we call to the Lord for help and healing, we can be confident the Lord hears our pleas for mercy. Now, how many of us need the Lord's help this morning? How many of us need the Lord's healing this morning? But the answer is all of us. So we all need the Lord's help, and we, and we all need the Lord's healing in some sense this morning. Whether that be physically or spiritually, 
We all constantly need the Lord's help. So like David, we should keep pleading with the Lord to have mercy on us. And we should expect him to hear us, to help us, and to heal us. Because the Lord is our helper, and for that we should be thankful. So let's give thanks to the Lord because he is our helper. And one way the Lord helps his people is by giving us his strength. And that's the second reason we should give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord because he is our strength. In Psalm 28, 7, David says, the Lord is my strength. And in Psalm 28, 8, David says of the Lord's people, the Lord is their strength. He is a stronghold of salvation for his anointed king. So the Lord is our strength both individually and corporately. He's my strength. He's your strength. He's our strength. The Lord's strength is his power. It's God's grace at work in and among his people. It's this infinite divine energy that the Lord infuses us with through his life-giving spirit when we're born again. And it's this power that Paul has in mind in Ephesians 1, 17 through 21, when he says this, I keep praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing Christ fully. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know just how surpassingly great his power is for us who believe. It is as great as the working of his mighty strength, which God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and above every name that is given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And I can't imagine being the uh, secretary who's writing all this stuff down for Paul, because that was all one sentence, everything I just read, one sentence. We don't pause at all. Paul just kept on just putting one thing on top of another, trying to describe how much power God has, how much uh, power is available to us. It's just over and over and more and more and more. Just keep stacking it. See, the Lord's strength is so surpassingly great, we need the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. But God's mighty strength, God's divine energy was at work in Christ and is now at work in us who belong to Christ in the church. The same divine energy that raised Jesus from the grave, the same divine energy that exalted Jesus to the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, that same divine energy is available to us through the grace of the Holy Spirit who is at work in us. And like Paul, we need to keep praying for the Lord to give us wisdom and revelation from the Spirit so that we can know this power. And not just know that God is powerful, but to know God's power through our experience. We need the Lord's grace to strengthen us to live for him daily. Like David, we all go through trials, terrible temptations beat on us every day, and we often find ourselves worn out and wounded from our battles with the evil forces in this dark world that try to destroy us. And in the middle of our trials and temptations, what we tend to do is try to fight these things in our own strength. But we need to learn it's when we're at our weakest that God's grace, God's strength is made perfect in us. So when we're at our weakest, we don't need to try to fight in our own strength. We need to learn to keep on crying out to the Lord for his mercy, for him to give us his strength so that through his surpassing strength, we can conquer our enemies so that we can live lives that are worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. The Lord is the strength of his people, and for that we should be thankful. So let's give thanks to the Lord because he is our strength. And let's also give thanks to the Lord for a third and final reason 
And as usual, my third point is always the longest, so don't, we're, not, we're not done just yet. Third reason we should give thanks, give thanks to the Lord because He is our salvation. In the second part of Psalm 28, 7, David says, the Lord is my shield. And in the second part of Psalm 28, 8, David says of the Lord, He is a stronghold of salvation for His anointed King. Now, both of these verses are ways of assuring us the Lord will save His faithful people. What's the purpose of a shield? A shield is for protection, especially from enemy attack. And the Lord is a shield for his people. He shields us. He wraps himself around his people to guard us. As David says in Psalm 3.3, you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. Think about what David's saying here. He's saying the Lord protects us on every side. He's in front of us. He's behind us. He's above us. He's below us. He's got us covered on every side. And the other image David uses of the Lord as a stronghold of salvation, David assures us the Lord is a fortress for all who are faithful to him, a place where we're safe and secure, a place where fears fade away because we know our enemies cannot harm us. The Lord is that place for his faithful people. We have nothing or no one to fear when the Lord is our salvation. If we stay in the stronghold of the Lord's salvation, if we remain under the Lord's protection, under the protection of his saving shield, if we continue to walk with the Lord and to love the Lord by obeying his commandments, then our salvation is secure and no enemy will ever break through and defeat us because the Lord will keep us safe and secure. As David prays on behalf of the Lord's people in Psalm 28, 9, save your people and bless the people that belong to you. Shepherd them and carry them forever. Now, how would you like to have the wisdom of the ages leading you, guiding your every decision, guaranteeing you always go the right way and ensuring that you reach the right destination, the very purpose for which you were created? How would you like to have somebody like that leading you? Well, that's what the Lord is. For his faithful people. The Lord Jesus is the good shepherd, and his faithful people are his sheep. And as our good shepherd, Jesus does for us all the things that we've already talked about. Jesus helps his sheep. Jesus strengthens his sheep. Jesus protects his sheep. And he does all of this for the salvation of his sheep. And if we follow Jesus, he will make sure we always go the right way. He'll make sure we always do the right thing, and he will lead us safely into his eternal kingdom where we have eternal fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and with one another. Now listen to this wonderful promise Jesus gives his sheep in John 10, verses 27 to 29. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Now, you'll often hear untaught and unstable ministers misuse this passage to assure people in the church that our salvation is eternally secure no matter what we do. See, we're in, we're in Christ's hands. We're a part of his sheep, so nobody can ever snatch us out of his hand. No, but not even ourselves. We can't even leave his hand. We're stuck when we become a part of his body. But the promise of security and eternal life is only for those who are actively hearing the voice of Jesus and actively following him. Those are his sheep. 
and no one will snatch an obedient sheep out of Jesus or his Father's hand. Why? Because Jesus is the salvation of those who faithfully follow him. So if you're not following the Lord today, don't claim that promise that you're his sheep and you can never be snatched out of his hand. Instead, let, let these words, you know, convict you and you turn from that stuff. Say, I'm, I am safe in his hands as long as I keep following him. And he'll give you the strength to do that. So how do we know that we're faithfully following Jesus? How do we know we're one of his sheep? Well, Jesus tells us in John 8, 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When we follow Jesus, he'll always lead us to walk in the light as he is in the light. We'll walk as he walked. We'll live as he lived. We'll talk as he talked. We'll love God and we'll love others as Jesus did. And we'll live a holy life in obedience to God's commands through the power of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus will lead us to walk away from the darkness of this sinful world. And when the Lord is our shepherd, he will lead us in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And when we're walking with the Lord in that way, no matter what happens, even through the darkest times of our lives, through the strongest attacks of our enemies, when the Lord is our shepherd, the Lord is our salvation, we're never alone. We're never helpless. We're never hopeless. The Lord is always with us. And with his rod, he protects us. With his staff, he directs us. When we follow the Lord Jesus, the dangers are still there. The darkness of this world is still there. Our enemies will still attack us. But if we'll follow the Lord Jesus, he will always be our salvation from all of our enemies. As David reminds the Lord's people at the end of Psalm 28, 9, the Lord will shepherd them and carry them forever. Now, this is an image of the Lord Jesus tenderly caring for the Lord's faithful people, picking us up in his arms and carrying us when we're wounded or too weak to walk. And we see this picture of the Lord Jesus several times in the Old Testament. For example, in Deuteronomy 1, 30 through 31, Moses reminds the Lord's people how the Lord took care of them when he led them out of Egypt. Moses says, the Lord your God who is going ahead of you will fight for you exactly as he did for you in Egypt, right before your very eyes. And just as he did in the wilderness where you saw that the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son on the entire way that you walked until you came to this place. In Deuteronomy 32, 10 through 12, we, we read about how the Lord surrounded his people and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes. Like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young, so he spread his wings to take them up and carried them safely on his pinions. The Lord alone guided them. They followed no foreign gods. So when the Lord is our shepherd, he cares for us. He fights for us. And that doesn't mean we don't fight at all. That means he's there with us as we fight, right? Fights for us. He's with us. He surrounds us. He watches over us. He protects us. He guards us. He carries us. Like a loving father cares for and carries his children. Like an eagle cares for and carries her young. Our loving Lord Jesus cares for and carries his sheep all the way to salvation. The Lord is our salvation, and for that, we should be thankful. Let's give thanks to the Lord because he is our salvation. And right now, Tom can give thanks because as we close, right? He still gets on me about that. <laughs> yeah. 
as we close, as we gather for Thanksgiving later this week, let's remember the many reasons we have to give thanks to the Lord. Let's especially remember the three reasons David gives us in Psalm 28. With David, let's celebrate and give thanks to the Lord because he is our helper. Let's constantly cry out to him to have mercy on us and expect that he will come to our aid whenever we need him. Let's also give thanks to the Lord because he is our strength. And let's keep asking the Lord to show us the greatness of the Lord's surpassing strength for us who believe, that his power is available to us so that we can walk in a way that's worthy of the Lord, which means we never have to give in to sin. We never have to live in darkness, and we will never live in darkness when we walk with the Lord. And finally, let's give thanks to the Lord because he is our salvation. Let's keep following the voice of our good shepherd. And if we do that, he assures us he will lead us into eternal life in his eternal kingdom where we will have fellowship with him, his Father, the Holy Spirit, and the saints forever. That for those and 10,000 other reasons, today and always, let's give thanks to the Lord. And let's all stand for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son to this earth to be our helper. We thank you for the surpassing strength we have through our relationship with him. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our salvation, for being the one who protects us from all our enemies and who cares for and carries us into the many blessings you promised those who follow you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us remember these and the many other reasons we should be thankful and help us express our thankfulness in our words, in our works, and in our worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.